Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast. Your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? Hey, before we get going, let's give a quick shout out to our partners here at Auburn Live and the Auburn Live show. First of all, Southeastern, great bar in downtown Auburn, fantastic two-story building, beautiful place, uh, great lounge upstairs, tons of TVs, outdoor seating area, some finger foods and stuff like that as well. Awesome location in downtown Auburn. Go visit Southeastern, great game day experience, uh, weekend experience. Um, just go check them out, Southeastern, on Magnolia. Other partner, the Irritable Bow Restaurant, also on Magnolia, on the other side uh, of the street in downtown downtown Auburn, down, down Magnolia. Go check them out. Really good Chinese bow uh, food, uh, sh- shrimp shrimp rolls and, and steak, steak and, and, and chicken uh, skewers and um, rice bowls and just a bunch of, bunch of good stuff, man. If you've never had Chinese bow, it's really, really good. Shout out to our friend Whitley Dykes. Um, they get you in and out really quickly. So if you ever see a line, don't worry. It moves quickly. Go check out the Irritable Bow restaurant downtown Auburn and uh, tell them Auburn Live sent you. All right, let's go. Hey, welcome in to another Auburn Live show. I am Justin Hokinson, and I am glad to be joined by somebody that is, is, is a constant on my Twitter timeline uh, he, he is a college football and college hoops voice, uh, works for Fox Sports Radio, has his own podcast, just launched his own website, and um, he's a guy that I really enjoy and, 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 and think he has some really good, really good takes. Uh, you, might, you might have heard of him. If not, go follow him when we're done. Aaron Torres. Aaron, how are you, man? Uh, I'm nice, Justin. You know, it's funny. Uh, everyone on Twitter tells me how terrible my takes are all day, every day. So it's refreshing for to, to hear the opposite. I, you know, you're going to make me question your character right off the top because everyone on Twitter tells me I'm an idiot all day, every day. So that's a good thing. That means, see, that, that makes me feel better, actually. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, 99% of the time when I say something that everyone says is dumb, uh, I then get a DM from somebody you know, pr- pretty, uh, I don't want to pat myself on the back or make myself sound important because I'm not. But usually when I say something that everybody says is dumb, somebody that is is smart and, you know, more important than I am DMs to say, I can't say it, but I appreciate you saying it. Good job. So, uh, so yeah, no, I mean, you know how this is, Justin, you've been doing this a long time. If, uh, if we worried about what everybody else said, none of us would ever, uh, I don't think we'd ever uh, one log into social media too. I don't think we'd be able to do our job. So no, I, you know, I get a lot of pushback, but uh, I love what I do. And I was telling you a little bit before is I say what I believe uh, don't really care what other people's opinions of my opinion are and just enjoy talking and writing and thinking and, and uh, everything to do with sports, just really enjoy it. And so I appreciate you having. Yeah. That's how you got to do it. 
That's how you got to do it. Well, I, I enjoy your takes. Um, and so we'll, we'll, uh, if, if you haven't, um, we'll, we'll make sure and tag when we, when we put this up, obviously we'll tag Aaron so you can go follow him. And then of course you can see his, his podcast, Aaron Torres, Torres podcast and um, Aaron Torres online and, and all that good stuff. So when we, when we put it up, we'll, we'll tag you and, and people can follow you and get all your stuff. Um, let's talk some college football and specifically, we'll, we'll talk a little Auburn and then we'll get into the sec a little bit too. Um, just kind of bounce around. Obviously, we'll, we'll talk Auburn as well a few days away. Um, you know, we, the Brian Harson era is about to kick off. Um, I think there's certainly a lot of unknowns about how it's going to work out. Brian Harson had a, a great track record at Boise State. He comes in at a time at Auburn where, I mean, you know, it's hard in, in my lifetime, it's hard to think of a time that's been harder to win um, than right now at Auburn. Um, you know, because of where Alabama and Georgia is, and then you throw in like a Clemson and um, in Florida and some of these other schools. But um, still, Auburn finds a way. They they still they still every every few years they'll find a way. Um, what's your take on on Brian Harson? What do you what do you think about him as a coach? And what do you kind of think from just what you've seen on the outside? What are some things you think you like or don't like about you know what his potential is at Auburn and building a program? Yeah, you know, I mean, the, some Auburn fans might might know me because at, when the initial hire was made, I was a little bit underwhelmed, and and, and we know why. I mean, it was because no, 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 no. Let, let me come full circle on this, okay? Anybody who's ever heard or seen my work knows I go long, so it might take me about four minutes to get to the point of what I'm trying to say, but I'll get there eventually. But no, you know, I mean, listen, we all followed the coaching search, and you know, there was was the Kevin Steele stuff, and you know, Sarkeesian is supposed to interview, and then he does an interview, and uh, you're just trying to figure out what's going on. And when you kind of hear out of nowhere that the Boise coach is interested and, and you know that he has very limited uh, track record in the SEC, uh, in the SEC footprint, recruiting, coaching, all that stuff, um, I was a little bit underwhelmed. And, and listen, man, I just think there's a track record of guys coming from outside of this league. Now, I know Urban Meyer, you know, really had no SEC history before he got to Florida. But, you know, there are a lot of guys like Brett Bielema that have no history come in don't realize what it's all about and don't make it out alive. Um, and so that was kind of my initial thought, but, you know, obviously one thing about me, I get some stuff, right. I get a lot of stuff wrong, but I'm always trying to educate myself and I'm always trying to talk to smart people. And, you know, I think the more people that I talk to uh, in college football, um, you know, some prominent Auburn people and college football people in the media, when the hire was made last, whatever it was, December, January, they said, look, this guy has a culture. He has a track record. Um, he's going to bring toughness to the program. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's what Auburn needs is, is we know it's been up and down the last couple of years under Coach Malzahn, highs and lows, peaks and valleys, win some games. You maybe don't look like you're going to win on paper, but then lose some games that you probably shouldn't lose. And so, you know, I don't know that that means that Brian Harson is going to have any specific win-loss total. But like I said, you know, uh, uh, you know, everyone I talk to in college football, uh, a culture of toughness, a culture of accountability. And, I, you know, I don't think it's the worst thing to do a little bit different, um, you know, in the SEC West right now. And that's not to say that, you know, he's reinventing the wheel or anything, but everything's, everything's about spread them out, speed, athleticism, all that stuff. And I think there's something to be said about a team that's not afraid to just line up and punch you in the mouth. So I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, I know it's been uh, a, a wild couple months. I know he had to miss some time here in fall camp with, uh, with, with some positive COVID tests or whatever, but I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I, you know, like you said, 
the SEC West, I, I feel like it's about as good as it's ever been that I can remember. And then, as you alluded to, Justin, having that crossover game with Georgia every year, the way that they have it rolling is not easy. But um, but I'm excited, and, and I've come around on the hire. And like I said, I just think um, he brings an identity. He brings a, a, a toughness about him, and I'm curious to see if it translates and how quickly it translates for Auburn football this year. Yeah, that's definitely something I'm about it. Is is the is the translate is the is the uh, business like approach he has and and he is man he's like a drill sergeant from what I hear you know around the the complex and and, and makes uh, people take the stairs right I mean that was yeah. what I heard this week yeah no no elevators in that complex yeah, yeah. Uh, unless you're injured you got to take the uh, you got to take the stairs um, and yeah that's how he is man um, and so. You know, I think that it's it's not a bad thing. Um, I think that he's got his he's got his finger on the pulse for sure. He's got his hand kind of on everything right now, trying to build the culture. So that'll be something I think that will be um, interesting to watch in terms of uh, how that changes. I mean, that can be a little overwhelming. There's a lot to do to be the head coach of an SEC football program and try to win at Auburn, and you can't. You know, I guess setting the culture is important, but at some point he's going to have to you know delegate some of this stuff, whether it's social media messaging or whatever, he, he kind of has approval over everything right now. And so, you know, at some point he'll probably have to take a step back from that and, and, and trust people to kind of help build his, build his, um, his, his culture. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I thought was interesting was, was the, the time he's coming into Auburn specifically, but just thinking about new coaches that are hired and, and, you know, you got a guy coming in, Auburn went to a bowl game last year. It's not like they had a losing record. Um, they've recruited pretty well. They just can't recruit offensive linemen. Gus Malzahn <laughs> couldn't land a, a tackle, um, which is crazy. Um, you got a $90 million football facility coming. And so, like, I keep, you know, I keep telling people, you know, it's hard to imagine getting to come into a, a Power 5 program, let alone a program like Auburn, a top 20 all-time program, um, in a pretty favorable circumstance outside of the competition like we know georgia bama texas it's tough but in terms of the program you're coming into it's not bad it's not a bad not a bad deal at all i mean it could be a lot lot worse getting your first gig in a power five conference it could be a lot different situation so i mean there's not a lot of excuses for him in terms of whether he he, he succeeds or not i mean he's just got to build the culture how he wants but man he's got a lot of things going for him well, there's two there's two things that immediately jump out to mind is, you know, one, first of all, you're right, is that the SEC is very hard, but you're also right in that, you know, he's got every tool in his toolbox to compete. And, you know, the more that I do this, the more that I talk to people and it's the same in basketball, too. And, you know, I have a lot of great contacts in basketball. Uh, you know, every all all a coach wants every coach thinks they're the greatest thing that's ever walked the earth and they're going to be the guy and all that stuff. But all they really want is to know that they're at a place that they are not going to be at any sort of competitive disadvantage and that they're going to be put in a position to win. Like, like it doesn't matter if it's the sec, the ACC in the group of five relative to, uh, to the, their peers. I mean, you know, I, I'm just spitballing here, but you know, the, the coach at, I don't know, Appalachian State feels a lot differently than a lot of other coaches in that conference because he knows my school is going to do whatever they can to make sure that I can compete at the highest level at this level in this conference. And I think that's the same thing with Auburn. I mean, you know, 
um, the bells and whistles and everything going on better than I ever will, Justin. But, um, you know, Auburn doesn't lack for passionate fans. It doesn't lack for financial abilities. It doesn't lack for a loud stadium every Saturday. Uh, It doesn't lack for fans that travel on the road for big games. I, I live 15 minutes from the Rose Bowl, I was at that Florida State-Auburn National Championship game when it was probably 70% Auburn fans and probably 15% Florida State fans and 15% people that just lived in the neighborhood like me. So, you know, I I think that's what one thing that jumps out to me is like, you know, coaches just want to be put in a position where they know I'm not going to have to be begging for this or I'm not going to have to go recruiting knowing that Nick Saban or, or Ed Orgeron or Jimbo Fisher has that. Um, so that's one. And then two, and, and I remember talking about this when the hire was made. I do think there's something to a guy that seeks out a job like this. And it's I hope this doesn't come off as Auburn's a bad job or it's this or it's that. But uh, no disrespect intended. Um, you know, when you're walking into a state where Nick Saban is is entrenched and established, um, it, it's not a it's not an easy place to walk into. And that is one thing that I really respect about Brian Harson is he wanted the challenge of taking this job of competing with the best every single week and within his own state. And so if you're looking for from Brian Harson's perspective, I think I, I don't know him personally, but I know that he loves that, as you said, Justin Auburn's going to give him everything to compete. And then from my perspective as an outsider, I love that he wants that challenge of taking on Nick Saban. I can't tell you if it's going to go well, if it's not going to go well. But, you know, there were a lot of guys that maybe had an opportunity to get an interview and said thanks, but no thanks, because they either didn't want the challenge or didn't think they could handle the challenge. I don't want to speak for any specific candidate. But, you know, this is a guy that clearly knew what he was signing up for and was excited for the opportunity. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Somebody pointed out to me, hey, that it was kind of first time I thought about that was, you know, the fact that he was willing to leave Boise State, a place he played, a place that he loved, um, where he was winning 10 games a year and they'd be happy if he won eight games a year, probably um, to, to come to this job is 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 pretty telling. Obviously, the money and, and is better and, and the opportunity like that's tough to turn down no matter how difficult the situation could be. But Still, pretty pretty tough gig, uh, and it probably says a lot about him as a as a competitor um, coming in here. So I, I think you're right. I think we'll see. It was interesting. I asked him yesterday. We talked to Brian Harson, or not, uh, not yesterday, so on Monday we talked to Brian Harson, um, and I asked him, you know, hey man, you, you were hired eight months ago, um, and if you know now it's game week, like it, it feels like maybe it's been longer than eight months, especially when you factor in the last two weeks for him. I'm sure he's like can we just play football? And um, I was expecting, you know, him to maybe say something like, you know, yeah, I just, I can't wait to, to be inside that stadium and to start our program and to, and to, to play that first game. You know, I thought maybe there'd be a little bit of um, excitement, you know? Um, and he was really pragmatic. He was like, I mean, it was kind of a robotic response. He was like, well, we're just, you know what? I think our goal is just to prepare this week. And if we prepare, then, then we're going to be ready. It was just very like, dude, you're about to play the first game of your, of your era. You're about to start your Auburn football era. I mean, you're going to go in the record books on this coming Saturday, you know, as, as, as an Auburn football coach. And his response was real, um, you know, just kind I've of been here. I've done this ro- robotic yeah. about it. And so I think that, I don't know, that told me a lot about him. Like he could have gotten, he could have gotten in his feels a little bit and be like, man, I'm just so excited. But he was like, he was like, I'm focused on preparing. If we prepare, then then we're going to play well. And if we don't, then then we're then we're not. You know, I'm like, well, I mean, all right. I mean, that's true. But like, take a minute, you know. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I think you're right. It's an interesting. He's an interesting guy, and maybe the maybe the right guy for Auburn uh, right now. Hey, let's talk about Bo Nix. Um, Bo Nix named the starter. Um, you know, up and down career. We all know pretty good freshman year, all things considered. Beats Alabama, beats Oregon his first year. Gus Malzahn is saying things like, "This kid's going to win a championship before he leaves Auburn," and I don't think anybody doubted him that first year. Then next year, he, he pretty much plateaus. I mean, his completion percentage basically stays the same. Uh, everything stays the same. Um, you know, he's that bad, bad game at South Carolina. They lose the game. They had no business losing there. Um, and it just – he didn't progress. He didn't progress. You got a new offense. You got a new head coach. So it's his third offensive coordinator in three years. What do you expect from Bo Nix this year – where are you at on him? I feel like people are kind of all over the place. He's got a talent, you know, the potential's there or he'll never get it. Or, I mean, just from an outsider, you, you've watched him play. Like, are you concerned? I mean, what, where are you at on, on him and, and TJ Finley and, and that kind of quarterback battle that's, that's been going on this fall? Yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, I think, look, um, I don't know how to say this delicately. You know, I'm one of the things in my career, I try not to be overly critical. These are college kids. They're doing their best. And, I know what being an Auburn Tiger and being the starting quarterback means to Bo Nix. Um, I think the best way you can describe it is up and down. And, you know, he makes these incredible plays, but he takes these really bad plays. And I think it kind of speaks to, again, what we were talking about with Brian Harson to begin with is, you know, his kind of ethos is discipline and, um, you know, playing under control and moving the sticks and, you know, nothing super uh, flashy, but just getting the job done. Kind of what you were just saying and dealing with him earlier this week at his first media availability. Um, and and so, you know, I, I hope for Bo Nix's sake that some of that rubs off on him because you're right. The, the physical tools are there and, you know, he does have that wow factor to him, but he also has those two, three plays a game that just make you say, what, like, what are you doing, man? And then to, to, to add to it, um, you know, they, they generally come at the worst possible time. And, and, you know, sometimes it results in a turnover and sometimes it results in a loss of downs. And sometimes it results in a fourth and long when, you know, it, you know, you were in, you know, fourth and manageable. Now you're in fourth and 22 or whatever. So, you know, I think that, that it, it all plays together. And if Brian Harson can get across what he wants to get across in terms of how we're going to play, how we're going to do things, we're not going to put too much on your shoulders, but you can't put too much on us. I assume that we'll see an improved Bo Nix. I think also, look, it goes without saying, man, you know, last year was, it, it was surreal for everybody. And like you said, first of all, Auburn did not have a losing record last year. Now, as you referenced, they lost – uh, a game that they shouldn't have to South Carolina and they, they lost some games that obviously you want to win. But when you look at them last year without a spring practice, you know, an SEC only schedule. Um, listen, I know six and four isn't acceptable down there, especially, you know, the way the way you lose to Alabama, you take a bad loss to South Carolina. What is if you're Gus Malzahn? It is. Well, that's what well, I was going to say. It's clearly not the beginning of the end for him last last year when he came out and said all things being considered. I think that, you know, that's an ex he basically said something like that's not that's not bad. And everybody was like, what? Like, yes. all right, you just said the you just said the part out loud that we don't want to hear. Yes. Well, and I was going to say it's clearly not good enough because, you know, a man lost his job over six yeah. and four season. But no, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of where where I'm at is 
Um, it wasn't bad. There was no spring practice. You know, listen, you take out that South Carolina game, which we all know was a game they should have won. Um, and I know some of the wins were quirky and they were very Gus Malzani and you win at the last play and there's a weird penalty and there's a muff this and weird, t- whatever. You beat South Carolina the way you, you should. You're seven and three all of a sudden, and all three of your losses are to three pretty legitimate teams. Um, and so I don't think they're that far off, but I do think for the, from Bo Nix's perspective specifically, it's got to be about smarter football, taking care of the football, not turning the ball over. You know, seven interceptions in a 10-game in a regular season is an awful lot. I just uh, – I still believe in him because the physical tools are there. And as you said, there were times as a freshman that we really saw it, you know, against Oregon, against whoever. Um, Now it's just about being consistent, not only game to game, but within games themselves, quarter to quarter, half to half, minute to minute. And that's just if you can get that, uh, it completely changes his his trajectory and then the team's trajectory as well. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think you're right about the teams they lost to last year, I I think. For Auburn fans, it just comes down to, you know, the way they – I mean, the Georgia game was complete and total domination. Yep. Um, and and then, you know, Arkansas, boy, they barely won that. Kentucky, I think it was like – it was not only that they got whipped by the teams that, you know, Auburn supporters want to see you competing against, but but those other games they barely squeaked by. <laughs> they easily – 100%. So much worse. Um, but you're right about the spring thing. That's something that we forget. Like, okay, there's spring ball this year. I am curious to see um, how that helps Bo Nix – and then offense. And by the way, when you were saying that, it just I, all I can think about is Alabama's offense last year. Like, good grief, they they were that good without a spring. Is mind blowing. Well, and I'll tell you, I, I know this is an Auburn podcast, but like you know, as you start to you know, we're now uh, as we record here, we're like forty eight hours from like opening night, like big boy football. But then you start trying to figure out teams, and it's been fascinating to just kind of try and figure out teams that only played four or five games last year. Uh, But then, you know, a team like Ole Miss, like they were awesome on offense last year without a spring practice with Lane Kiffin. What are they going to be like this year? So I just bring it up to say, like, it is just to, to prep for this season and to try to figure out and to make sense of last year is it's wild. But yes, Alabama being as good as they were last year, given everything and the lack of, uh, you know, practice time and all that stuff is is pretty unreal. So a lot of people have pointed to this Penn State game for Auburn, um, you know, because it's it's the first big game on their schedule. It's out of conference. You know, it's a team that Penn State's good. I guess the, I guess they might be in the top 25 preseason. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but good, good team, but not somebody so good that Auburn yes. couldn't compete. And so it's kind of an interesting matchup. Um, but I do get the feeling that people are putting a little bit too much on on Auburn and Harson. Maybe in that game, they're, they're thinking, "Hey, if, if Auburn can, can go in there and get that game, you know, then they're four 0 And I'm like, eh. I think I think it's a really tough task with with everything they've got going on, all the new pieces and new offense to go in game three on the road in Penn State and like and win under a new coach. That would that would kind of blow my mind. Um, how do you see that beginning? Because they got Penn State game three. Three of their four first four non-conference cupcakes at home, and they have in there they have at Penn State, then they have another cupcake, and then they have at LSU, um, and man, they got A and M like right, and then three of their first five conference games are on the road. I mean, it could be a really rough start. It could be. I mean, they could have three. It could be three and three, something like that. But so, what do you make of the schedule overall, which is really tough? But what do you make of that Penn State game? Is that something that 
I mean, do they, what do you want to see? I guess, like, what would you want to see in that game to make you go, huh? Okay. Bo Nix or huh? Okay. Brian Harson. You, you, maybe you got something there. Like, is there anything that stands out? Sure. Well, two things, you know, one from the opposite perspective, you know, I think Penn state's that exact team that I'm talking about. They start, they start Owen four last year. No, no, no. Owen five. Yeah. Then they win their last four. But if you look at who they beat, they beat like Michigan, which was terrible, uh, Rutgers, Michigan State, and maybe Illinois or something like that. And you're like, okay, they, they won four straight, and you want to say that they closed the year strong, but did they really close the year strong? Like, but it was a COVID year. And like, they should have been in Indiana the first. So you're like, so you have all these different variables, like, and James Franklin, say what you want about him. He's like nine to 10 wins taken to the bank in a normal season. So that's a perfect example of a team that, you know, you're trying to figure out what do I make of last year? What does it mean relative to all the other information that I have on this team and this program under this coach? Uh, as far as Auburn, you know, I, I would say kind of, I like the way you frame the question, Justin, because that's kind of how I look at it is, is what are you looking for? Not just win loss, but, um, and I think what you're looking for is, listen, it's, as you alluded to, it's not going to be the last hostile environment that this team walks into throughout the year. And you want to see discipline. You want to see, you know, Bo Nix not running around like a lunatic, like, like take care of the football, be smart. Don't force stuff. Um, you know, don't, don't take off sprinting in one direction, thinking you're going to pick up this and then go, like, you can't in a game like that, you cannot beat yourself because it's exactly what you said. This is it's a great example of a game where you don't have to do anything otherworldly. This isn't playing at Ohio State or Clemson like this is this is a team that comparably speaking, physically, athletically, whatever, they're, they're your peer and you might even be superior to them in a lot of places on the field. Now, they're in the fifth, sixth year of this regime. Um, again, they might be better than that four and five record indicated last year. They are in the top 20 to begin the year. Um, and you kind of sit there and say like, but it's not a team that's just going to overwhelm you with anything. Like, like, I don't know how much big 10 football you get to watch during the season, Justin, but like, there's nothing overwhelming about Penn state at all. Like when you turn on a Penn state game. And by the way, this is why they've struggled the last few years with Ohio state is Ohio state starts to separate kind of athletically recruiting wise uh, guys in the NFL, like Ohio state just has a different caliber of athlete than Penn state does. And so I think for me, I think the way you framed it is correct. Justin, uh, to me, it's not a win loss thing. It's a go compete uh, in a perfect world, control the line of scrimmages, uh, you know, bleed the clock a little bit, don't give them momentum in their own building. Um, and on top of that, uh, you know, beyond don't give them momentum in their own building, try to take the crowd out of it if you can. It's a night game. We know, you know, we know about the whiteout at, at Penn State and, and what that fan base is like for a big, big night game. Um, but, you know, the Brian Harson blueprint is, is the blueprint to take that crowd out of a game. And will they? I don't know. But those are the kind of things that I would like to see for sure. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a fun game. It's, it's, it's one of those games that, you know, any of us that grew up on NCAA football, um, it was the game that you played because you're like, well, it'll probably never happen in real life. And so it's the game you make up and you play like sure. you, know, you go get Auburn or you go get, you know, your favorite team, Georgia or something. You're like, I'm going to go play at Notre Dame because this will never happen. You know, it's it's a, so it's fun. It's a fun, cool uh, game to watch. Uh, I, I'm going to be fascinated to see Auburn in um, in happy valley and and inside that stadium 100,000 people wide out it's going to be 
a really cool, a really cool site. And I think the ratings will be through the roof um, for that for that game. So where do you see Auburn finishing? I guess in in the in the conference this year. We talked about the West, which is um, you know insane right now. I mean, it really is. It probably is the toughest I remember. I mean, you at times you've had Alabama, Auburn, and LSU. Uh, um, it, that's kind of been the the main three for so long. But now you've got A and M. And now you've got Ole Miss trying to knock on the door with a with a dynamic offense, at least, you know, if they can just be a little better on defense. Um, and it's just, you know, I mean, Arkansas and Mississippi State, eh, they did some some okay things last year. They're probably not going in the wrong direction, maybe. I mean, they might, they might take a step forward this year, but um, the West is, is tough, man. It's tough. Um, and of course, when you're when you're Auburn, yeah, you play Georgia as well. So where do you see Auburn finishing um in the in the league this year? And how does it how does it sort of shape out? And then kind of you know you can mention obviously the West in general. Does A and M challenge Alabama, and do, do, do they do they knock Alabama off somehow? So a couple things with the the big picture of the West. You know, one it's really interesting. LSU actually opens up again ten minutes from where I live. I'm actually going to be hosting radio, so I will not be able to attend the game. Um, I'm not a huge believer in LSU. I mean, I think they might win that game. I, I think the UCLA buzz is a little bit too much off of one win in week zero when everybody's watching because there's nothing else on. Um, but, you know, I think people forget like LSU was historically like historically bad on defense last year. Like they were besides Kansas, ironically, with less miles. They were probably I think they were the worst uh, power five defense in college football last year. So I, I don't buy the LSU preseason hype. Um, and then AM, like, I like the pieces, but, you know, redshirt freshman quarterback that's never really played significant time behind a, a, an inexperienced offensive line. And I know Jimbo Fisher likes the offensive line, but what is that like? And so, you know, when, when you factor that in, I do think it's Alabama's division. I do actually like Georgia this year. I, I don't know why I trust them, but I do think they're, they're going to live up to the hype. You know, but two things with the division in general, you know, one, like you said, there's no easy outs. I mean, even Arkansas, they play so hard. They got a million guys back. You know, they've taken advantage of the, the extra COVID year um, and they play really hard for Sam Pittman. And, and you know, it's like I think if the schedule wasn't so brutal, they play Texas in the out of conference. They get Georgia in a cross division game like Auburn does. You know, I think that's a team that that in, in a, with a different schedule could be six and six, seven and five. And they're going to give everybody problems except maybe Alabama. Um, you know, Mississippi State, I, I I don't know that they'll make a leap, but Mike Leach, like, you go back to Washington State year one, year two, it was not pretty. And we remember the end of the Washington State era, but the beginning was not pretty. And so you wonder if you can turn around, Ole Miss kind of speaks for itself as far as what they can do. And so, you know, I, I don't want to put a, a floor on this thing with Auburn, but I, I think you have a very realistic approach the way that I would as a non-Auburn fan is that there's just no easy games in that division. And then you do have Georgia, you know, in the cross division game, you get South Carolina, fortunately. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think the one thing that Auburn has going for it is as tough as the schedule is those, those kind of coin flip games, you get most of them at home, you get Ole Miss at home, you get Mississippi state at home, you know, Arkansas, different deal. They're on the road. I get it. But obviously from a talent perspective, Auburn will have the advantage. So, you know, at the very least you get some of those, those toss up games that you need to win at home. Um, I, 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 I could see, you know, listen, if Bo Nix takes care of the football, if he does what we think he's capable of doing, 
I don't think they're toppling Alabama for sure. Um, and and I, I think probably third would feel about right if they do everything that they can do. And maybe that means that Haynes King's a little bit better than we think. Maybe it means that, um, you know, LSU is a little bit better than we think. And, and you know, kind of the, the combination of having to play Georgia, uh, getting LSU on the road, uh, all that kind of stuff makes it, a, a, you know, instead of a second place finish, a third place finish. But, um, you know, I, I think they'll be competitive in, in just about every game. And I mean, it, third wouldn't surprise me again. I don't want to put a floor on this thing, um, but I'm just curious to see in general, how does the team compete? How do they get better under Brian Harson? And I know we talked about it a lot, but how does that culture evolve over the course of the year? It's obviously a big adjustment from Gus Malzahn to Brian Harson, not only off the field and messaging and all that stuff, but on the field when you actually line up across from the other team. And so, like you said, you know, it's interesting that, I don't really remember this happening a lot, but they get all the out-of-conference games right in a row to start the season. Usually you have that one week between, uh, you know, whoever's the last game before Alabama to kind of get right and all that stuff, and that doesn't really happen this year. Um, you also, the fact that, you know, you get Georgia earlier this year than I know last year they played really early, but you get them pretty early this year where you don't have time. So um, this is all a long-winded way of me saying, like, I think they can be – the third best team in that division, maybe, um, you know, second with the right breaks and all that stuff. But I, I think the schedule is part of it. We know the history at LSU. Um, Georgia is going to be, I think, again, really good. Alabama is going to be really good. Um, and so you got to win those toss up games, especially the ones that you get at home, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I've seen them predict second. Um, and I've seen them predicted last. Like, I mean, just oh, wow. a range of a range of predictions, but I've seen them second. I've seen them last. It sounds like you're saying they're closer to second than last. And I think most people would probably, um, most people would probably agree with you there. Um, hey, all right. So we talked football, but I'm not going to let you go without talking basketball because you also know sure. your hoops and Auburn's a basketball school now. It uh, is. So I talked to Bruce Pearl uh, in July. We actually, when we launched Auburn Live, I had a, um, like a, you know, a three-part um, video series with him where I had a chance to sit down and, and talk to him for about 30 minutes and about a lot of things. And um, he likes his team. There's no question about that. He, he, he talked to me about he thinks it might be his hardest working team. Um, but what have been your impressions? Let's start broad and then get general because I've never gotten your opinion on this. What's, what are your impressions on what he's been able to do? I mean, as somebody who's, who's, who's covered Auburn basketball for, for a while, um, it is surreal. It is surreal to see what he has done with this program. Uh, the, I mean, they've, they've been they've been sold out for years now. The Final Four, like that's not even real life for most yeah. people. Follow Auburn basketball. It, it it is, you know, I I probably would have taken a bet like that would never see that. I mean, so what he's done there is is beyond remarkable. Um, what's been your impression from the outside as somebody that follows hoops on all of a sudden you're like, I've got a Auburn basketball is a thing and I've got to take them seriously. And I've got to respect them as a program for what they're doing. I mean, what, what is it like to watch what he's done for, for Auburn? Well, that's exactly it. I mean, what, five, six years ago before he got there, just no identity. And I mean, you know, there are teams that aren't good, but they're still fun to watch. Right. Like, you know, we, we have those teams in sports and they were just kind of like, they're not good. They're not interesting. They don't have like the one guy that you got to tune in for, even if the team stinks, like they're just kind of, eh. and he gets there and, and, you know, right off, right off the show cause. And, 
you know, it, it sort of came together a little bit slow as best I remember. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, these guys are really good. Um, and then the year they won the SEC, uh, I, I guess they, I don't remember what, they, not the year, I don't know, the, the year before the final four, I don't know, I think Tennessee won the SEC that year, but um, they, they won, well, Auburn won the, Auburn won the regular season. They tied with Tennessee, but they beat Tennessee in the regular season. So they, they shared it, but Auburn won the regular season and then flamed out at the very end in the SEC tournament and, and then got crushed by Clemson. Then the next year they yep. won the tournament and went to the final four. And then the next year they were the number two seed in, in the SEC tournament. It was the COVID year. So like he had that three year run of, mm -hmm. of a, a heck of a lot of wins. Well, no, because I was trying to remember because the Clemson game was in San Diego and I was at yeah. that game and I remember them not playing well late, but they were really good early. Um, and, you know, it just like you said, it just kind of took off like wildfire. Like, wow, this team is like really good all of a sudden. And then the year after when they made the final four, as best I can tell, there was only one person that predicted in the preseason and you're talking to him right now. I have oh. the tweet to prove it. Now I had Kentucky in the final four too, which made it interesting. It was interesting on the uh, final, the, uh, uh, the elite eight game. I didn't know who to root for. Cause I was, uh, you know, do I want to look smart with Auburn? So there is either a picture or a video of me with, I want to say Horace Spencer in the, in the final four locker room, showing him my tweet and him being really impressed by me. And we basically became best friends at that exact moment. But Anyway, um, I remember you meant now that you say that I remember you mentioning something on Twitter about you predicting that and I that's a that's a heck of a prediction. I mean, you know, we knew Auburn was going to be good, but but saying Auburn basketball is going to go to the final four is just kind of an insane statement. It's like, yeah, sure, they're going to be good, but there's no way I'm going to predict that. There's no way, you know, that that's pretty wild. What, what caused you to do that? I mean, was it just like I'm going to take a flyer or were, was there actually something specific that you okay. said? Yeah, I mean, what, what why? I'm going to say something. I feel bad because I'm going to say something not nice about a person, but the year before I thought they were really good, but I thought Mustafa Heron, who's from my home state in Connecticut, tried to do too much. Um, and I thought he hurt the teams that he hurt the team at times. And when he decided to transfer, I said, well, you still got Jared Butler. You still got Bryce Brown. And you don't have this guy that's just putting his head down, driving into four defenders every, every, you know, other possession and ruining it. And so I said, I like the spacing. I like the three point shooting. But then the weird thing was, if I remember correctly, they started a little bit slow that year. And really, I mean, they were a five seed or whatever. So, you know, and they could have lost to New Mexico state in the NCAA tournament. So it's not like it was like lightning in a bottle all year long, but I just liked kind of that veteran floor spacing, three point shooting uh, kind of combination that he had. And it was definitely out on a limb, but, you know, I was pretty good on it. So, um, so no, I mean, it's unreal, man. And, and like you said, I mean, I think the COVID year, people forget they were really good, you know, last year, the Sharif Cooper on again, off again, start, stop thing, whatever. But then you look at this coming year, I talked to him too. You know, I had him on my podcast around Memorial day and he was really excited. He, I think the kids had just gotten to campus, but you know, with Walker Kessler and with Jabari Smith, I mean, they, you know, he said, and I'm sure he said to you, Justin, because he said it to me, I think I have the best front court in college basketball, or maybe he said the SEC, but I think he said college basketball. Um, and you well, got two potential. Kessler said it. <laughs> oh, he, oh, okay. I didn't even know that. Yeah, well, Kessler he, he said he thinks after... they have the best front court in the country with him and Jabari. Well, he's taken after his coach because his coach, I'm pretty sure, told me the same thing. 
Um, I just think it's going to be really interesting. And, and I'll tell you, man, the SEC across the board is so good. Like it, that's to me, the bigger story, you know, and it, it, and the story has been told time and time again, but it's true is, you know, Greg Sankey, uh, not Greg Sankey, excuse me, Mike Slive, the late Mike Slive, you know, when they launched the SEC network, he went to those schools and said, you guys got to figure it out. And to get Bruce Pearl at Auburn, Ben Holland at Mississippi state, uh, those were the early hires. And then yeah, what Nate Oates has done at Alabama, what's that? Rick Barnes was right. Rick Barnes. Period. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, Nate Oates has taken off. Eric Musselman's taken off, you know, Will Wade insert, you know, your own commentary there, but you know, the guy, I mean, the guy can coach. And, and so every night, I mean, I, I look at this, this, this coming year, I think there's six, seven tournament teams again, uh, five, six teams ranked that should be ranked considered for the top 25 to start the year. I'm just blown away by SEC basketball in general. And, uh, but Auburn specifically, it is incredible. It is incredible because, yeah, I've been a fan my whole life. I grew up in Connecticut. I went to UConn. And it was one of those, you know, like I said, there, there are certain, you know, power five, power six in basketball schools that you can just kind of, you don't really have to think about them. Like, you, you just don't. Like, they're just not going to be a factor. They're not going to be interesting. They don't have players that you have to watch. And I hate to say it, Justin, but Auburn was one of them for a really long time. And to see what Coach Pearl's done is incredible. Uh, I know he loves it there, and I know that that he's really proud of what they've built. And and I'm really excited to just watch him this year a little bit. Yeah, I think they've got a chance to be really good. I, I was telling Bruce, I think the I think before um, before Chuma, they had about a 20 year run where they had one guy drafted, and that was wow. not Marquise Daniels, uh, who was an undrafted free agent who had a really good NBA career. It was a point guard named Jamison Brewer way back in oh, the wow. day. Um, but they had like one guy drafted in 20 something years. And then you're about to have Chuma, Okoro, Sharif Thor. That's four and three years. And then you look at the roster now and you have Jabari Smith, you have Walker Kessler, you have Alan Flanagan. I mean, here in a couple of years, they could have six, seven, eight guys in the NBA. I mean, it's in, 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 in the 20, you know, the 20 years prior to, to, Chuma, you had one, you had one guy, you had Marquise Daniels there for a while, and he was all that there was to pay attention to. But so it's, it's been unbelievable what he's what he's done, uh, especially in the Atlanta area. And then you know he's he's back in it again. I mean, I mean you've got some top prospects, Jar- Jarris Walker, and he's up there for, and Trey Donaldson, or, you know, was their top point guard prospect. So it's been remarkable what he's done. And you're right about Auburn basketball. I mean, they didn't. It's not even that they didn't have players. They didn't have a culture. Period. I mean, nobody went. I mean, games were you know. People went to games, you know, maybe maybe literally the best game was the, the Alabama game, and that was because, you know, maybe they'd get the Iron Bowl trophy at halftime. And sure. That was it. I mean, there was no – it wasn't just good players. There was no culture. There was no – there was just nothing. It was it was nothing. It was a basketball program that that played games because they had a program, and, you know, um, Tony Barbie just kind of put that program I – mean, it was already in a in not a great place, and, and Barbie just – you know, was not even going to try. I mean, you, you know, college basketball, I know college basketball, like Tony Barbie was not going to try to play, um, to play the game that you have to play to be good at college basketball. Barbie wanted no part of it. Well, you, you might as well just forget it then. I mean, we're just, you're just going to be terrible. And, um, and, and, and Pearl and his staff are aggressive. They get after and Pearl, man, He's a salesman. I mean, he's unbelievable. Um, when you're listening, it's hard to not to not go play for that guy. So let's uh, yeah, let's talk about this team a little bit. It's 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 similar to last year. Last year you had a bunch of freshmen, Sharif, and you had Thor, and you had these new guys coming in. This year, they've got 
a bunch of new guys, but but there's some experience. There's a, they're not freshmen like Wendell Green and, and Zepp Jasper and Walker Kessler, Katie Johnson from Georgia. So you've still got to create chemistry, but it's not with a bunch of freshmen. Um, and then you've got Flanagan and Jalen Williams and some experience. So I think it's a little bit different challenge, uh, but they're going to be pretty deep. But the, but like you said, the whole SEC is going to be really, really good. So I, I think I saw you the other day where Pearl thought his team was capable of going to the Final Four. That's a bold statement. You don't he, generally he's pretty he keeps it pretty real. Um, and for him to sure. say that's pretty, pretty incredible. Um, you know, he's talked about his expectation is a national championship. I was at a camp the other day with his team in the background and he straight up said, that's our expectation. It's not our goal. That's our expectation. Um, so he's putting it on them. What, how do you think it comes together for this team? I mean, they've, they've got, they play in Atlantis out there in November. You know, you've got, uh, I can't remember who all is out there. Michigan state, I think Syracuse. UConn, my alma mater, I'm pretty sure. UConn, yeah. I'm pretty sure is there. Good little, good, good tournament out there. So what, how do you kind of see it playing out? Is this a team that can win the league? Um, you know, what, what, what do, what do you think about this team and what they're capable of, especially with Jabari and Walker Kessler? That could be really fun. Here's, to watch. here's the bigger question. Is uh, work sending you out there? And if so, can I crash on the hotel floor, man? I mean, come on, the Bahamas, I'm working man. On it. I'm working on it. I think they actually – I think Auburn actually opens with my alma mater, UConn. And so, no, I mean, there's reason for excitement. And, and it's just – it's just so tough with the SEC. There's just – like, I don't think people – like, the SEC, first of all – Bruce Pearl and Auburn, it's kind of a microcosm for the league as a whole. But, you know, when I talked to Coach Pearl this summer, like he told me flat out, like, I don't like the one-time transfer rule, but I told my staff we have to adjust and live in this world. And, um, you know, Walker Kessler, it goes without saying, I mean, you know, almost picked Auburn the first time. And, you know, one thing I talked to him about, I don't know if you did too, Justin, but, you know – relationships matter and it, it you know in this era and world that we live in even if you finish in second that's not always the worst thing um and so you know you get katie johnson you get wendell green as you said um you know i i, I want i'm just impressed by his ability to adapt on the fly because he had to um but two you know infused a a roster full of talent and now you look at it, and it's right back there in the mix. Now, I think Kentucky is going to be much better this year. I think Calipari got out a lot of young guys that maybe didn't know what it took, and Calipari adjusted to the portal as well. Um, Arkansas, Musselman is always going to be a portal guy. Mississippi State actually did really well in the portal. So I'm just excited to see this team. And then, you know, the versatility of that front court, I think, is going to be the story. I mean, you, you guys know even better than I do what Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith are capable of. I'm just curious to see how they play together, who's down low, who's stretching the floor, um, can they make the most of it, and just what kind of mismatches they can create because the, those two guys, I mean, one of them alone is a mismatch, let alone two. And so, you know, I did see Coach Burrow said something, I think it was to John Rostein about, you know, we think we have Final Four talent um, and it's it's always great when a coach just comes out and says it this time last year. I didn't know that he had said it with you guys down there locally, but um, or maybe it was you said Walker Kessler said, I don't remember. But, you know, I just give him credit because he's putting it on his guys. The talent is in this gym to get this done. Now it's on you guys. Um, you know, and, and, and I love when a coach doesn't back down from challenge, not doesn't back down from expectations. It's so easy in this world to avoid the cameras and to avoid saying anything interesting or whatever. And he's just like, yeah, I think we got the talent. I, and so I'm excited to see this team take the court. And in general, I'm just excited to see the SEC take the court because I think the basketball there is going to be through the roof. 
Um, no, I agree. It's, it's going to be awesome to watch. Hey, let's end on this, which is another one more basketball question, but I, I, but I'm curious to know your thoughts. The G League stuff and the and overtime league and everything that's going on with that. Um, how do you how do you see that? I mean, is it is it something that we're just maybe a couple of guys a year are going to get picked off, but for the most part, you know, the, the best players in college should end up being, you know, will end up in college or, you know, because Auburn, you know, Jalen Green is a player that they were going after and he ends up going G League and Kaminga as well. Like, it, or, or is this thing just starting where it's G League, overtime league, next thing you know, it's something else where it's growing and it could really be uh, a problem. I mean, you, you know, you're where you next time, you, next thing you know, you're going after these kids and, and, you know, the top 20 players in the country could potentially, you know, half of them may end up somewhere. Like, is this something growing or is this just kind of going to be a nuisance for a couple of players here and there, but for the most part, you know, you'll be fine if you're, if you're recruiting the top hundred players. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because as weird as it sounds, um, there's really two different dynamics at play. You know, the, the G League program, which Jalen Green chose over Auburn, um, you know, it's run by the NBA, uh, and obviously Scoot Henderson too. It's run by the NBA, and I don't think the NBA wants to get in the weeds of recruiting 15, 16-year-olds, um, but Overtime Elite has absolutely no problem with it. Um, you know, Overtime Elite, you know, I was talking to somebody at one of these camps this summer, and they were struggling to get guys, and somebody, you know, was like, yeah, I was talking to them, and they, they kind of realized we can't wait until they're a senior in high school. We got to get them earlier. And so, you know, I think both have some kind of questions from my perspective. You know, one, if a kid gets to his senior year um, with name, image, likeness now, I, you know, let me put it this way. I think the G League, I, I, I do question the viability of the G League because they're waiting until a kid's a senior. And by the time you're a senior, um, at this point, you know, we don't have numbers, but I, I guarantee you, um, you know, the, the best players, you know, two top five recruits just committed to Memphis in the last month. Um, I, I don't know if we'll ever get real numbers on their you know, name, image, likeness uh, deals, uh, you know, and you, you know, I use that term loosely, but I don't think they're leaving money on the table by choosing college over the pro route for one season. Um, you know, and so when I look at the G League, if you're waiting till a kid graduates high school, most of those kids are going to say, I'll just go to school for one more year. Even if I don't like school, I'm going to go to Duke and I'm going to be on TV 40 times a year and play in the NCAA tournament, have my Jalen Suggs moment. And I'll tell you, like people in basketball have all said it like, Jalen Suggs jumping on the scores table like that did matter for college basketball when he has that great moment in the final four um, and the G League kids are kind of sitting at home and nobody really knows anything about them. Um, you know, overtime elites a little bit different, but but, you know, I'm kind of fascinated where they're at long term because they're recruiting a younger player. But, you know, what I say, what I what I've said is a few things is is, first of all, you know, there's this notion of. They have all these big time investors, which is true. Um, but at some point, investors want return on their money. And I don't really, you know, they're offering 15, 16 year old kids, 500,000, $600,000 a year. I don't know how they make that money back um, at any point. Um, you know, these kids, they, they don't have a brand um, because they're 15. And, you know, I mean, even a Jalen Green had, you know, he has over a million Instagram followers now, but when he was a sophomore in high school, he didn't. And so I'm bringing all this up to say, I don't really know where they are in three to five years. Um, and I would also say too, like, like back to the G league for a second, 
Um, you know, the NBA at some point might just say, let's get rid of this one and done rule. It makes no sense. I mean, the G League program at its core makes no sense, because if you think about it, they set up this program for kids that don't want to go to college for the one year between high school and the NBA. But the only reason they're not going to college is because of an NBA rule called the one and done rule. And so I bring all it up to say, I think both have their benefits, both have their drawbacks. I definitely think the G League is up against the wall now because of name image likeness. But even overtime elite, I mean, I think it sounds great. We're going to sign all these kids, but a lot of them aren't going to hit. Um, you know, I mean, what happens in two or three years when a lot of these kids, they don't have any college eligibility, they're not going to the NBA. How do you sell it to the next group of kids? I mean, now maybe the money's going to be so good that it doesn't matter, but, you know, at some point you have to have results. And so I, I'm old enough to know, like, I've seen every iteration of one, in, you know, high school to the pros then there was china then there was australia then there was europe now there's the and it's like every time college basketball ends up okay and so is it ever going to be the mainstream sport that college football that the nfl is it's not um and i do think we're going to a place where you know the you know college basketball is almost a different sport than the nba and the fact that kids no longer get drafted based on college production but I still think there's going to be a handful that go in. And, and what I always say, and this is something I've learned over the last couple of years, Kentucky, Kentucky fans, Arkansas fans, Kansas fans, North Carolina fans, they really don't care. Like Kentucky fans will tell you they care that, you know, all their guys are NBA draft prospects. If Kentucky goes into a season knowing that they have a team good enough to win a college championship, they don't care if none of their players get drafted. Now Calipari has sold it's more important for our kids to get drafted because it'll bring in the next group of guys. Right. Kentucky fans right. want to see their guys succeed at the next level, but if they have to trade a national championship for, for zero first rounders, they'll gladly do it. And so may, and by the way, maybe there's a parallel where you can't have one without the other. I don't know, but I've just learned that over the last couple of years, I worried about it for a while. And then I realized, you know what? Arkansas fans are always going to care about Arkansas basketball as long as they can compete for college you know, at the highest level in college, same with Kentucky, same with North Carolina, same with Duke, same with Michigan state, et cetera. And I think that's going to continue to be that way. If Auburn has a good team relative to everybody else in the sec, Auburn arena will be packed regardless of how the players got there or what the deal is. Yeah. I think it's fascinating stuff um, with, with, with the G league and overtime and all that stuff. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I'd forgot about Scoot Henderson. Yeah. I mean, I totally forgot about him. That's a kid that would have easily ended up at was going to be at Auburn. And uh, wow, uh, would have been a remarkable get as well. So we'll see. We'll see how Auburn basketball does. A ton of ton of potential. It's going to be it's going to be exciting. We'll see what they do in Atlantis, um, and then we'll see if they can build on that once they get in. We 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 you and I will see what they do in Atlantis when you get that hotel room and I crash on the floor. But yeah, continue. I, I'm I mean, just that's crazy. What's it, what's weird is at the time it's Thanksgiving week and that's Iron yeah. Bowl week. So for Auburn, it's like. So they're going to play yeah, Atlanta. They might play Michigan State or Syracuse or Baylor or somebody, and then Thanksgiving, and then they play Alabama in the Iron Bowl. So that is a busy. Yeah. So busy. I'm guessing the bosses aren't going to let you go then. So it's we'll okay. see. I mean, now that everything's Zoom, you know, I, I mean, you know, I, I could be in the Bahamas and do, um, you know, a Zoom interview with players Iron Bowl week. I mean, everything's Zoom. So sure, um, it's it's possible. It's possible. Get another computer. Just set it up at your seat in the press box. You can watch the whole game from Zoom. I get it. I know how it's going yeah. down. I got I'll you. Just, I'm just going to cover it in Atlantis, fly back on Friday, go to the Iron Bowl. I mean, that's a pretty good deal, right? Go to the Bahamas for three days, cover Atlantis, fly back, go to the Iron Bowl. On Saturday, that's a pretty good four days. 
No pressure. No pressure. I, I mean, I, I didn't just put together your Thanksgiving week schedule, but I mean, that would be a pretty sweet schedule if it came together. Oh man, it'd be good. Hey, thanks for coming on, dude. Um, had a lot of fun talking some, some, some ball, college football and college basketball. Um, definitely going to have you back on um, as the season goes on, especially once we roll into basketball. I'd love to, to keep having you on to talk, talk Auburn and SEC hoops and national college basketball hoops and all that good stuff. Again, Aaron Torres, thanks so much. Hey, mention the, the website because I know you just got that, got that rolling. Tell, tell people where you can go find that in the podcast. Sure. It's uh, Aaron Torres online. And, you know, the goal is no different than what we all do is entertain people, you know, come for the five, six, seven biggest stories of the day. I got some really good writers with me. Um, we got some podcasts rolling out. I have my own podcast, the Aaron Torres podcast, um, which rolls out about three times a week. And uh, that's it. Aaron Torres online. And uh, yeah, you can find me on social media as well. Appreciate it, Aaron. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me, Justin. You got it, man. That's Aaron, and that's it for the Auburn Live Show. We'll see you next time. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.